0: Hello, and welcome to the She's Heard podcast. My name is Emily Jennings, and you found the place where extraordinary everyday people from different professions and walks of life share about how they found their voice and are using it to speak up and create meaningful change. Today, I'm speaking with trauma therapist, yoga teacher, mother, grandmother, and social change activist, Catherine Ashton. Catherine is the founder of Yoga to Transform Trauma. Catherine offers several different trauma informed yoga training programs for settings such as the yoga studio, community centers, hospitals, and incarceration centers. Go to yogatotransformtrauma.org to learn more about these life changing programs. In this episode, Catherine and I discuss the book that changed both our lives and how women are the change we really need right now. We talk about how white women are challenged with truly being in community with each other, how white folks also lose in a culture of white supremacy and how we can go about doing the work of reclaiming our personal and collective souls. This conversation was recorded in a car as we were driving to the airport after completing the Citizen Summit in Boone, North Carolina. So I invite you to listen as if you're riding with us. And without further ado, here's our conversation. So this is Anne and
1: Catherine Ashton. We are driving down the road. (laughs) And it's really fucking great because... When I was thinking about starting this project, you're one of the people I called because I was like, I don't know if I can do it. Oh my God, I totally forgot about those. I don't think, I was so scared, blah, 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 blah. And you're like one of the people that like helped me realize, of course you could do it, M. This is a great idea, keep trying, go for it. One of my most favorite things in the world is to have deep, meaningful conversations, especially with women and especially around Healing and being, I don't know, I think of it as like channeling your inner Beyonce, or whatever that might look for you. <laughs> and then the other intention through this journey of talking to so many different women now is that each person's path and each person's process to healing and to fully being yourself and to owning your voice and owning your life and owning your gifts and, um, which by the way you're saying as you're talking, just am I? Yeah. Okay. I'll have have to listen to to that. So and that's the other piece is like, this is just as much for me to be like, what the hell do I do Uh, with my life? How do I make sense of the madness? Um, and to share the journey with people and to learn from their lives as well. So, and to share my learning with other folks as well who are ready to hear it and want to hear it. So this is really fucking great to be driving in our Rav4 from Boone, North Carolina, to Charlotte, North Carolina. And when I met you, we were in North Carolina. We were in North Carolina, but you live in Chicago, right? And I'm coming from San Francisco. So this is really fucking great, and nowhere in between. <laughs> and nowhere exactly. <laughs> And so you're a trauma therapist. I am.
2: I, yeah, I am. I'm a trauma therapist who happens to teach yoga um, and do social change work, which for me is all seamless. It's all is pretty much the same thing in different spaces with different groups of people. It's mm-hmm. all the same stuff. At least it feels that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious like okay so how does how did Catherine Ashton get to the point point? and I know because I did your trauma training and I think it's one of the best things ever in the whole fucking world and I think that people don't realize how traumatized we are most of us are and we're all walking around especially right now in this political climate and with everything that's happening socially like I wish everyone could go take your training Because I think it's you're doing amazing work that's deeply transformative and world life mind changing and opening. Thank you. That makes me want to cry, and that's that's. Thank you. So, I want to absolutely help elevate and amplify amplify what you're doing in the world. Um, And so, I'm curious. And I think other people might be curious, how does one get to there. do that? How, how did that happen?
2: Um, you know, that was a really interesting kind of meeting point in time of a lot of things were different that were happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been a hospital administrator and studying and working with trauma, like specifically working and studying with it for numerous years prior. Um, and this sounds really horrible and I feel bad every time I say it, but I love trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense to me gives me a structure and a paradigm that just makes sense it's, and it was like the unanswered it was the answer to the question i didn't even know that i had so when i fell into it it had just it was everything it was it was anatomy and it was physiology and it was biology and it was spirituality it was the um, emotional piece. it was everything um and in the meantime i'm simultaneously practicing in yoga spaces and teaching in yoga spaces and um something was not right. It just wasn't right. And it felt very intrusive, and it felt very regimented, and it felt very patriarchal, and it felt harmful.
1: The I, way yoga was the being way done. was
2: being taught. Mm-hmm. And I knew something was intuitively not right. And I was specifically taking a class in hands-on adjustments. It was part of some training program I was doing, and I saw everybody getting really triggered. And and I knew it was around the touch piece of things, um, and so it was those kind of moments in time. And then simultaneously, I had gone to a training by Sean Corn, who I adore, and she kept on talking about Nikki Myers and why twelve us are. At the time, I kind of dismissed it, but that voice kept on coming up, Nikki Myers, and Nikki was incredibly gracious. Um, with her time and her energy and we sat down and we met a couple times about what the program looked like and what the model was that she was using and in non-nicky words she said go for it um, I think she actually said something like along lines up you, you should fucking do it girl <laughs> <laughs> something more along those lines <laughs> and that was that um and I developed the program and it's really about the marriage of trauma recovery and yoga, which is, um, for me, a much more healing, feminine flowing kind of space. And, um, that was that. Okay. That was that. So with simultaneously, if I can add, uh it was about thinking about what are my gifts and what am I passionate about? And what are my wounds? Um, and how do those get married and what's the intersection of those? And that's how this was born. So,
1: gifts, gifts, wounds, and passion. Yep. It's just be aware of that. Yep. Yeah. Where's the intersection? Where do they meet? And so just for to kind of level set for the sake of just making sure everyone understands what is trauma? Like I know trauma to be like disassociation from the body. Yeah. Something really difficult and heartbreaking and world shattering and that can vary in terms of severity it seems like there's a spectrum of what trauma is so what exactly is trauma? so there is no universal definition um, but there
2: are elements of it there's elements such as it brings you heart-to-heart with um, being overwhelmed and being dysregulated and it takes us out of our bodies and at the heart of at the heart of trauma is terror Um, and being in the midst of a kind of terror that we can't even speak about because it becomes speechless just because of the intensity of the situation because it's overwhelming and overwhelms our system systems um, and it becomes speechless because it's part of what trauma does is it shuts down parts of our body that make it impossible to even speak about what's happening Mm and I think there's only really, there's a lot of different approaches, but at its heart, I think it's got to be embodied. It's, it's an embodied practice about staying present because it's it can be so overwhelming. We check out, we disassociate, we go someplace else, which means we're not here. And mm-hmm. So we can talk all day long, but if we're talking, people aren't here, and they're not in the room, and they're not in their body, and they're not even where, where their feet are. Um, I think the question starts getting asked, what are we doing? Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things that I was really struck by in your training was when you, t- when you showed all the different pictures from so many different scenarios, from so many different people and different backgrounds and different regions of the world who are coming out of trauma, and those universal signs of it. So that was one thing that totally jumped out at me, was what physiologically is universal for all humanity that experiences trauma cross-cultural cross-cultural cross-time cross-time yep. and then that to be re-traumatized you can be re-traumatized just by seeing someone else be traumatized Yep. how relevant is that for today right yeah because it's happening all the time it happens every day now yes
2: it happens individually it happens collectively and in our small communities it happens globally um I bomb you, you bomb me. Right. Yeah. And then we watch on the news. Right. And, we do and, it, it. and then we do it again. It's kind of like a wash, rinse, and repeat. Yeah. And that's why we need your trainings. Yeah. It's about being embodied. And yeah. the fact of the matter is, I, all I do is I hold space for people. Um, here's the information. Um, here's the information. It makes sense. Um, and then we hold space for. The healing that each one of us has got, that inherent wisdom, that inherent healing capacity that each of us has to be able to access that and to embrace it, um, and to hold space for each other in a brave space, um, that makes it acceptable to speak the unacceptable.
1: And so, and by hold space, you mean create conditions and kind of ground rules and agreements, agreements, agreements of a container, a container container Where we can begin to suspend
2: judgments we can suspend criticism that we can begin to allow for the sense of curiosity about what happened and what does it mean for me and how does it impact and what am i going to do with this um can we suspend expectations of what we think healing should look like and allow space in for what it is can we allow space for vulnerability which by the way is hard and it sucks um it's just not fun
1: and it's terrifying and it's terrifying
2: yeah And can we notice that as we're going through the process, we can stay in our bodies and that we have already survived. We've survived already what's happened and we're surviving the discussion as we're having it. And Mm -hmm. that's a big piece. So creating brave spaces, new spaces, held spaces, um, creating these kind of places that have no boundaries, that are portable and amazing and wonderful and touching and tender and sticky and and Mm messy. All those things. Mm -hmm
1: and authentic
2: and authentic yeah. yeah we get to be real yeah we get to just be really seriously fucking real with each other It's awesome being real is pretty awesome
1: <laughs> well it's it's like oxygen yeah it's kind of necessary and, yeah. and it's it's actually well, kind it of hard oh it's really hard it's 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 really hard to find spe- to find spaces where you can be authentic because there's the intersection of your self-expression can you know, taking responsibility for the impact you have on others with, you know, unapologetically being yourself. Yeah. That's relationship, right? That's super hard. Yeah. And that's tricky to, to figure out the nuance. Well, and it's
2: really hard because being in relationship is hard and most of us never learned how to do it. We never learned how to be in relationship. We didn't have any, any examples for being, conflict with each other yes you've
1: said that oh my god couple times and that is like helped me so much we don't learn how to have healthy conflict we have no idea so
2: we're all kind of you know wading through the muck and the yuck trying to figure it out and by the way we also most of us either didn't have examples of what it was like or to love somebody we don't even have a standing working definition but yet we're all working for it and from so many of us so 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 many of us that are trauma survivors trauma was done in the name
1: of love, which got it really confusing. So, such a fuck. Yeah. And then I'm also reminded of mm-hmm. Bell Hooks. I love Bell. I love Bell Hooks. I love Bell Hooks definition. I don't have her book with me, but when I read her book, All About Love, yep. that changed my life. Book. life It changed book. my yep. life because of the very thing of, she says, these are the characteristics of love. Yep. And she gave so many examples of people that use I love you, and they're harming you, and yep. they're using that to Manipulate. Yep. And that blew my mind, my life, my whole social structure wide open. Well, and she offers this
2: really simple definition. There's, and she makes a distinction between elements, which most of us had at least a glimpse of, versus a definition. And this lovely, simple, working definition of working for our best and highest good and that of others. And I'm paraphrasing, but Mm -hmm. that's essentially it. I mean, that's it.
1: And what I, I remember from her definition was that there was the elements of nurturing,
2: caring and caretaking and
1: protection, protection, contributing to the growth of, yep. and there's mutuality in it yep. that I'm caring, for, I'm looking up for of these characteristics for you and you're reciprocating them. There's reciprocity. Yep. Yep. And when I read that, I wept.
2: Yeah, that's a life changing book. I wept. I'm a big yep. book fan, huge book fan. Um, we could even go so far as to say a book addiction trying to work
1: through that <laughs> that's a good one to but math. not really <laughs> not really we'll not really keep that one because that's like addiction. that's a positive life for everyone <laughs> but if I
2: had to choose like one book of all times all about love is it
1: me too, that's it. That's my book. Me, too. My book. me too so then how do we have healthy conflict Catherine hi <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were gonna keep this like light and snappy and simple <laughs> I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> but if we center love,
2: uh, if we center, love, if we center love and we stay embodied and
1: we stay in our bodies, and
2: we're willing to be messy and we're willing to figure it out together. Then we're okay. We can come back to those
1: agreements. Yep. I will stay <laughs> in this
2: discussion, even though I want to check out or run away or some combination thereof. That's usually my preference. <laughs> can I run? There's no, def- there is no, I oftentimes think of it, um, yeah, long distance runner. That was no mistake.
1: <laughs> yeah, say that more about that.
2: No mistake. I oh, used to run like twenty miles a week religiously. Um, because when it was soothing. Continue but, on US three twenty one oh, on. south for a quarter mile. Sorry, we're doing.
1: Uh, for a quarter three, mile, eighty five. Eighty five. Why don't you? 85
2: 85 you nine, I yeah, yeah, just cut them all off.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, what a quarter I. Quarter
2: mile. Yes, Turn because this the is what I- eighty five north ramp Because this Charlotte. is what people do. Mm-hmm. They do interviews while driving <laughs> and, <laughs> five slowdown. and listening to directions and trying ID to ID three switch you're the so great that states that they don't know you can get over there thank
1: you so thank much you. sir okay so I am getting on 85 south yes okay so what were we talking we were talking about figuring conflict out yeah figuring conflict out I think it's probably similar to how you hold space for healing for trauma what do you mean like in terms of setting a container for these are our core values and this is what we're committed to and you we're going to, to try to be, to be turn out
2: right into the i-85 north ramp to charlotte
1: okay thanks <laughs> and then we're and then we're you know holding space of, we'll, north we'll just wait till we get <laughs> <laughs> we love to <the> multitask <laughs> this gives whole new <laughs> whole new, <laughs> whole new dimension north <laughs> north <laughs>
2: Multitasking. <laughs> the only thing that would make this better is if we were doing this in a foreign country.
1: <laughs> the signs in a different language. In like a rickshaw. <laughs> 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 Just by the way, <laughs> this is silly. This is so <laughs> silly. Oh. The best conversations happen in cars, I though. I love cars. They really do. I love cars. Talk about trends. Okay, there's we're going cars. on the right. We're going the right direction. We're here for fifteen more miles. All right, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, okay, so I think in terms of of having conflict, my guess, because I mean, hello, this is so relevant right now because there's so much conflict in our country. Well, the spaces are about the spaces for the training are really
2: about creating space for internal conflict to arise
1: yeah and to work through yeah yeah
2: and can we hold this possibility of hope and healing side-by-side with this really sucks and it's scary and it's fearful um, and it's daunting and any number of other tensions that that bubble up during that process it's messy Mm -hmm. and it's wonderful Mm -hmm. and it's all mixed
1: up together and it's deeply liberating yeah just naming things is liberating yes yeah
2: we don't have to keep secrets anymore and we get to just name it and it's um yeah it's the bogey man in the closet sometimes mm-hmm.
1: what's a key moment of healing for you and courage it could be different or it could be both
2: key moments are we talking about those as like defining moments sure yeah wow
1: um So like when people wow, that's it's a really good question like katherine ashton yoga to heal trauma like that they get like you <laughs>
2: um actually well when i launched it um, i i knew so for me part of doing any of this kind of work is listening for um as the gita asks I'm listening for the call of times mm-hmm. and i was real clear on this was necessary and needed work and I was real clear on I needed to do it and it wasn't really a choice. However, my own vulnerability and unwillingness to sit with that, um, I was dragging my feet. Um, And so I purposely, essentially, backed myself into a corner so that I had to launch it. I committed to doing a bunch of stuff with it, knowing that I would then have to actually do it. Um, And so the day that we went live, so to say, um, I was pretty much walking around feeling like to puke in my shoes. And I called a friend and I realized by then I had eaten my way through half of a bag of Reese's before I came to. Um, I remember, seriously. <laughs> I believe you. Oh my God. I've done I looked, that. <laughs> I looked down at the pile of Reese's cups and thought, oh dear God. Um, and so I called her and said, I really don't understand because I just feel like throwing up and i mean eaten half this bag and she said, it's vulnerability. I'm like, that's fuck. That's just not it. And she's like, it's vulnerability. Fuck. Um, and she was absolutely right. She was absolutely right. And it was a defining moment because all of a sudden it was, um, the work that I had been doing personally and the work that I was doing professionally. And it came together in that moment. And I knew that there wasn't a distinction between the two. Not a good time.
1: (laughs) Not a good time at all. Well, and then how does that feel now? Uh, awesome.
2: Yeah. But I still have those moments of like, ah, every time I go to expand or every time I, I'm um, going to do, you know, what's the next piece? What's the next best thing to do? Mm-hmm. I have that moment of pause, but the pauses have gotten easier. And I can breathe. And I'm not necessarily eating through a bag full of chocolates before I come to. Mm-hmm. And that's always a pretty good thing. Mm-hmm. Although I am a really big fan of chocolate, too. And... Chocolate with... Me. There's absolutely <laughs> nothing wrong with chocolate. <laughs> chocolate with some tea and a good book. Now we're talking. <laughs> Life is good. <laughs> Life is good.
1: <laughs> yeah. What other defining moments, courageous moments, <sighs> uh, doing this interview. Ah,
2: okay. Yeah. Not a big fan of video equipment or media equipment or photography. So, um, yeah, just for the record, uh, this is our second time around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being so gentle with that. Yeah. The first one was not pretty. At least for me it wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I suspect where it landed, it wasn't so pretty. So yeah, doing this one, um, so yeah, this is a defining moment. This is living on the edge of my comfort. I will hold space for people all day long. I will say the thing that people don't want to hear. I will be a truth teller. This stuff not so much.
1: Isn't that funny? I don't, what is that about? Mm, I don't know. I I don't know. Well, thank you for your courage. Yeah. Thank you for trusting <laughs> me.
2: You. It's easy. Yeah. It's you easy. It's that stuff. Yeah.
1: Stuff with the buttons. Yeah. <laughs> It is so interesting how it's easier to, to stand for someone else than for yourself.
2: Yeah, it's a good observation. Yeah,
1: and so in a way that, I mean, that's what I'm doing. Absolutely, right. But yeah, I mean that, no, yeah. and we,
2: it's so easy to recognize God in somebody else, mm-hmm. and it's so easy to say that yes, I totally understand that God lives in. God of our understanding lives in everything and everybody and every moment that's happening except me. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. And it takes so much courage to see that, like you were talking about earlier, about owning your gifts and acknowledging your gifts and your wounds and your passion and sitting with that and inquiring into that. Yeah. Yeah. And can we stay rooted in that? Mm-hmm. That's important.
2: Stay rooted in that. Because it's easy at least for me it's it's really easy to get distracted by shiny objects and what I think should be happening versus what I you know what is actually happening in front of me hmm so yeah
1: okay what are you most proud of about your life and who you are um what am I most proud of cuz you're a mother Question too. I am a mom you're a mom of so many beans
2: yeah I've got biological children and I have a biological son and I have a soul daughter and I have a daughter-in-law and now I am a grandma. That's another defining moment. That's a big moment. That was a big moment. And that was really pretty recent. Um, That was a big moment because my granddaughter came into this world within days of my mother transitioning out. Isn't that funny? Yeah, they literally passed each other. Wow. Wow. and it left me realizing that I had this really really significant relationship with both of them and I was in that space in between both of them and that they would never know each other and in the meantime it made me into it it pushed me into that grandmother role um that was a huge moment in time and then yeah I have lots of Lots of other non-biological children that I feel a very, very, very big, strong responsibility towards. Um, I I have a deep commitment to the younger ones coming up, and particularly to young women. Um, I truly believe that um, that women will women are the change that we need. And working with women and children um, is what is necessary and essential and critical so yeah I feel like I've got a, a lot of kids out there as so.
1: and you take care of four-legged beans
2: too yeah very fond of those ones too mm-hmm. I, yeah they seem to appear recently a lot too <laughs> <laughs> yeah if I don't get smashed by a truck as I'm standing on some deserted road rescuing some little furry creature of some sort um, and by the way um, I'm just going to put words to this there is something brewing with the grandmother's council mm. that's in the so that's gonna, that's emerging and taking taking shape, and people are being, women are being called in. And, yeah.
1: with the, what's it called? The Grandmother's How Council? With the Grandmother's Council.
2: Oh, I don't know about I this. I know. That's like the first time I'm saying it out loud to. What? <laughs> what's the Grandmother's yeah. Council? So I don't know yet, mm. um, but it feels very real, and mm-hmm. it started out as a whisper, mm-hmm. and the whisper is getting louder. Um, and when I start talking to um, elder women, mature women, mm-hmm. women of wisdom, who are going through that transition phase and passage, um, there seems to be an all-in. So I, I, I think, again, this is about creating shape for women, mm-hmm. um, and that this group can hold space for some of the other, other younger women coming in. that um, We can hold that for them, too, as well as for ourselves. So, yeah, there's some...
1: Mutual stuff going on here on a
2: couple different levels. So yeah, that's that's
1: happening. That's really exciting exciting. because there's so something so rich about um, multi generational groups of women coming together. That is deeply powerful and deeply nourishing and deeply fun and exciting and playful. That's really exciting. And that's one of the things, as we were kind of talking about earlier, that's been the patriarchy has really stripped and isolated women, mothers, into, you know, these silos of raising their children alone and made it nearly impossible to stay stay mentally sane with the amount of work that it takes to just be a healthy person and raise a healthy family.
2: Yeah. And that's particularly, I think, for white women who have, we really don't know how to be in community with each other. Um, and that's one of the things I think that has been sorely and deeply lost um, with whiteness and white supremacy and racism and whatever we want to call that. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to focus on what black folks are losing, and the fact of the matter is, white folks are also equally as losing, and that's, that's part of what we're losing. Yeah. So, this is part of this work is also about reclaiming. Reclaiming our individual souls, reclaiming our collective souls. They just keep envisioning this kind of spider web, mm-hmm. um, grandmother spider. Um, so, yeah, multi generational, multicultural,
1: um, coming from a lot of different places. Let's talk about. So, you and I, we got to help facilitate a discussion on whiteness and white supremacy. We did. And one of the things you just talked about that came up in that discussion was because we're just finishing we're coming from the citizen summit <laughs> and yeah, big shout out
2: to the citizen well and to Carrie kelly and all the, the women that the amazing this, facilitators that facilitators. showed up and
1: held the space for brave conversations and ways yep. of relating and we got into breakout sessions and we were discussing whiteness what whiteness is the difference between white people and whiteness yep <laughs> and also like one of the one of the biggest things i was really struck by from our facilitated discussion was exploring what white supremacy how white supremacy impacts white folks and how we don't aren't even aware of it. not even aware we don't even know what we're missing uh and that is inherent in the design of yep. it. and and one of the things is not really knowing how to be in relationship with other women, Yep. because we're pitted against each other in competition, in hierarchy, in yep. separation and structures, in right.
2: Separation and economics and living and breathing and sharing space on a day-to-day basis and sharing something as simple as meals and and neighborly contact. Yeah.
1: And and there's such a, a pressure or a trend in the in white culture to like keep up with the joins is yep. to be really positive, to look great and to sound great, and to yep. be like, everything is so everything great. is good. When in reality, we're deeply depressed, isolated and lonely and struggling and disconnected from ourselves and others. Exactly. And I think the other thing that's really struck by is like, okay, where is, where's, what music do we love? What kind of dancing do we love? Like, what are our dishes? Like, because that's one of the things that gets stripped away when you come immigrate to the united states is my family had to change our name right because no one could pronounce it it was norwegian and we dropped letters from it because no one could say it yeah. and so then that just gets lost and that has happened for so many white folks is you just lose your culture yeah. and so then we start appropriating it yeah. from everyone else <laughs> We're like, yeah. start taking
2: it. Well, because we don't mm-hmm. have one and that's what we're trying to find. We're right. trying to find some sense of identity, which is one of the things that gets lost in this process.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the things why yoga actually is giving, is providing that for our white folks. Yeah. It's giving them a call. I mean, it's appropriating. And it's also providing a structure of, and an intention of trying to deeply get embodied and connect and be with like-minded people. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? No, I
2: absolutely agree. And yeah. I think on that level, it's wonderful stuff. And I can't help but think that the rise of yoga in the United States, at least, has been this has engendered us to have some of these brave and courageous and open and honest conversations. Um, by the same token, it has morphed into things that it was never intended. And I feel really strongly about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has misappropriated what was... Initially, a very, very different practice. So it's, it's got kind of a front door and a back door to it. Um, and again, I think that's one of those conversations we need to be having. But one of the things that I spend, I think, a lot of time working on is that, you know, for those of us that are profoundly, deeply spiritual and want that to be that we somehow think that spirituality negates or stands next to or aside from and certainly not in and with humanity, um, and so we want to stay connected to the, the light and the shiny, and we spiritually bypass the real life, everyday kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's been part of my work is to, you know, how do we frame this? How do we put this into context? How do we make it okay to recognize that we are both spiritual as well as humans? Mm-hmm. That's a hard And
1: I really love the metaphor of the mama bears of the I species. Love that. Right? No other mammals. Allow the kind of harm that's happening yeah. to their young. Without, you don't say to Mama Barry "You have anchor issues," when her someone's harming her baby cub. Right. You should really examine that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and that's what I think we're collectively being really called to do. Yeah. And I think more women than ever have been waking up to that.
2: Well, you know, and it's really interesting to me too that because you know initially when. think, particularly for white women, Mm -hmm. um, and I can say that because I am a white woman, um, is that this idea of equality meant that we could be equal with men, and what we neglected was that it, it didn't bring around, it didn't bring along... Sisters, um, and really recognizing that we are all so incredibly intrinsically connected that unless you're equal and you're equal, and the next person and the next one down the line, none of us are. And it's 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 really about if we're literally looking for equity. And we're looking for equality. It's got to be all of us, and this is not elevating above or beyond. This is finding a new definition and new paradigm to to what is feminine and what is masculine, and what is a new mature version um, that is inclusive and honoring, um, while still recognizing that there are differences.
1: Well, I I'm really thankful for you because you're a white woman who's willing to have courageous authentic conversations and that you are deeply empathetic and you notice what's happening in the world and are committed to being engaged in exploring and finding solutions with that and i'm it's been deeply healing to share the well, journey this with is, you, you know, yeah. here's the
2: thing is that part of my prayer is always that I may leave at least just a fraction of what it is that I take. And I am constantly. This is. This is not an altruistic, or. It's just not. I am constantly learning from those people that I am. That I am honored to serve and work with and side by side. I mean. My greatest teachers are students and children and everybody out there. So, yeah, I'm deeply grateful that we can have these conversations and that you afford me the opportunity to do this after I fucked up the first one. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Stop. (laughs) I mean, let's be real. No, it's a process. It's a process. It's definitely a process.
1: (laughs) What is your prayer or your wish for our country, the world, or
2: the planet. That we may have the courage and the bravery to wake up and to stay awake Mm -hmm. and to engage in a way that's meaningful and real and authentic Um, and then may we stay awake some more. Mm -hmm. Which seems super easy Mm -hmm. and is really hard. That's it. Can we love more? Better and deeper than we ever imagined. Can we put that at the forefront? Can we like actually make that tangible, not you know
1: airy fairy unicorn hippie stuff? For
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, like be in community but, like, with each other. Mile, yeah, and and the left
2: stay open to continue on. Josh Birmingham mm-hmm. Parkway and open hearted and courageous and brave. Mm-hmm. That's all. And if we can do that, if we can do that even fifty percent of the time, I think we'll be doing pretty good stuff. Amen. Amen, sister as we find our way to the airport and we find our way to the airport. until we meet again next time in uh, North Carolina.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Which might be in November for the Amplify and Activate to to continue with Josh
2: Birmingham Because we can't get together other than. We can't outside North. of North Carolina.
1: <laughs> um, Is there have any, any other you thoughts no, you want to No, I say? think that about does Okay. <laughs> I love you. I love your back. You're Thank you so much for sharing You're your, your life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for listening. Again, that was Catherine Ashton, and you can learn more at transformtrauma.org. In this episode, the call to action is to think about what are your gifts, wounds, and passions? Where do they intersect? How can you leverage your gifts, wounds, and passions to live more deeply aligned? If you're already clear on this for yourself, how can you be a catalyst for someone else to realize this intersection for themselves and live with a greater level of integrity and alignment? Then take the next step, either for yourself or to stand for someone you care about. If you have a story to share or an experience that helped you find your voice, I'd love to hear from you. Go to she'sher.com to keep in touch and learn of more opportunities to connect and tune in to the next episode. More inspiration, wisdom, and insight is on the way. Until next time, standing in our collective liberation, be well.